We're in the middle of a series called All Joy and No Fun. Uh, the most easy example that I can give you on that is, is parenting. Uh, it is no fun, uh, but there's joy attached to it. Uh, there's no fun in being on a diet. Everybody wants to eat the brownie a la mode. Is that how you say it? A la mode. Everybody wants the brownie. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine over here that says, I will not eat sweets unless it's chocolate cake. If it's chocolate cake, I'm going to pound it. If it's not chocolate cake, it's not worth it. Uh, anyone in the same boat on that? If Chocolate cake, warm chocolate cake is from heaven. It's from heaven. Um, but uh, nevertheless, it's not fun to eat salad, but there's joy attached in the long run. There's lots of, uh, there's lots of joy that's attached to moments that are not fun. And uh, so I want to talk about that, and uh, I want to unpack how Jesus found joy during one of the worst seasons of his life. It was while people were disappointing him. And last week we talked about how one of his disciples uh, left. He walked out of the Last Supper. It was the last time they were ever going to eat together. Jesus was washing their feet, and one of the disciples, Judas, stood up and walked out. And what's so interesting is if you continue to read that chapter... Um, another disciple, a guy by the name of Peter, um, he ends up uh, disappointing Jesus as well in the same scene. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But what I find interesting is, is once disappointment hits, it's almost like there are certain seasons where the dominoes just seem to fall. Are you with me? It's not like one bad thing happened. It's like 17 things happening all at the same time. Are you with me? You don't even want to uh, answer the phone. You know, it's like, I just need to go home and lock myself up in a closet uh, because it just seems to be perpetual. Just ba 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 And so therefore, I'm going to title this message, um, Disappointment Continues. Are you with me? So last week was di when, di when people disappoint you. This week is when disappointment continues uh, because uh, so often we find ourselves inconvenienced and, and it causes disappointment. What I find fascinating is, is uh, we hate inconvenience. Some of us more than others. Particularly, I've been uh, reading up on the millennial um, uh, generation. Um, if you were born um, between 1980 and the year 2000, you are a millennial. Raise your hand if you were born between 1980 and 2000. All right. So, um, I I've been reading up on you guys. And boy, has it been interesting. It's been interesting. Um, uh, it's actually filled in a lot of blanks for me. Um, you know, so many of us in this room grew up enjoying a good bowl of cereal. Some of us still enjoy a good bowl of cereal. Anybody with me on that? You just enjoy it. What, what I've learned over the past week is that millennials no longer eat cereal as much as everybody else always has. It's interesting. Um, and, and there's a real, it's not because millennials don't like cereal, because they do like cereal. Um, 
This is what the New York Times reports. Almost 40% of the millennials surveyed by Mintel for its 2015 report said cereal was an inconvenient breakfast choice because they had to clean up after eating it. <laughs> they got to run the bowl under tap water. Well, that's way too much. You got to take your spoon and put it under the water. No, no, no. No, 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 that's, that is way too much. And so what they're seeing is that yogurt sales are going up because they don't have to clean the ball. Millennials, we feel so comfortable with the future of our country in your hands. We feel so comfortable. <laughs> What's interesting is, is that I'm looking at millennial faces in this room and they're like, it's so true, it's so true, I just... I'd rather just not even eat cereal. That's where the standard of inconvenience is for many of us. And so being disappointed um, by situations or people, scenarios, our job, our work, it happens quite often. And, uh, and so what I want to do without any further ado is I want to look at how Jesus handled another disappointing experience with one of his disciples. So I want you to read about it when you get home, but for now, let's watch it on video. Take a look at this. After Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man's glory is revealed. Now God's glory is revealed through him. And if God's glory is revealed through him, and God will reveal the glory of the Son of Man in himself. And he will do so at once. My children, I shall not be with you very much longer. You will look for me, but I tell you now, what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Where are you going, Lord? You cannot follow me now where I am going. But later you will follow me. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I am ready to die for you. Are you really ready to die for me? I am telling you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you do not know me. Do not be worried and upset. Believe in God. And believe also in me. What we'll find out is that the way Jesus got through this disappointing season and still kept joy in his soul. What is joy? Joy is, is feeling fulfilled and confident that you're doing what God has called you to do, even though it's not fun. 
the way the Lord kept his joy was to remain faithful. That seems to be the thread. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In, in verse 31, it reads like this. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. The time has come to enter into my glory. He doesn't say, okay, it's time for me to die. He doesn't say, it's time for me to be crucified. He doesn't say, the worst season of my life is about to happen right now. He doesn't say that. What he says is, the time of glory is about to happen. If you're taking notes, the, verse, the first of three points reads like this. Faithfulness is proven during a challenge. When you see that this is going to be a tough moment, this is actually a way of saying, this could be my finest moment. A great leader is born in adversity. A champion is not made in the ring. He's only recognized there. It was all the work before that moment that built, that got him to that point. Faithfulness is only proven during a challenge. It's easy to be faithful to God when life is peachy. When life is peachy, it's so easy just to go, God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Oh, whenever life is good, it's easy. God is good all the time. All the time. Life is good. It is so easy to be faithful when you just got a raise. God is good all the time. But when you get laid off, God is good. All the time, yeah, yeah, except for today. <laughs> it's hard to be faithful during a challenge, but during a challenge is the only time where faithfulness is tested. A husband and a wife, the faithfulness towards each other is not tested at 3 o'clock in the morning when they're sleeping in the same bed together. Faithfulness is tested when some Jezebel comes walking around and goes, Hey, baby. All eyes on you, bud. What are you going to do right now? Because your faithfulness is only tested during a challenge. Your faithfulness towards the Lord, my faithfulness towards the Lord, only happens during a challenge. For those of you that are being challenged today, life is tough right now. The stress level is high right now. There's always indications when stress is high. We, we, we eat more bluebell when stress is high. Uh, we, we, we don't sleep as much when stress is high. Our fuse is a little bit shorter when stress is high. When, when times are tough, 
those are the times when faithfulness is tested. There are some times where your faith in God is so great that you know even the wind is controlled by God. And then there's other times where your faith is so thin that you have trouble believing that God even exists, which is perfectly normal, by the way. Everybody goes through those seasons. But when you are knowing that God is so great that he controls the wind and the waves, your faithfulness is not tested during that moment. It's tested when your faith is thin. So Jesus, what he had the ability to do is he's saying, hey, this is not where I get crucified. This is not where I'm going to be killed. This is actually the moment of glory. This is when this is going to be my finest hour. He had the ability to see over the trial. This is what he's saying. He goes, this is going to be, this is the glorious moment. In the back of his mind, he's thinking, for generation after generation after generation after generation after generation, 2,000 years from now, they are still going to reap the benefits of the blood that I'm about to shed right now. This is the most glorious moment. Whenever we face disappointment, we have got to see over the moment. We got to see past that moment. Am I, I, just so you know, I am talking to me as well. I'm not talking at you. I am talking amongst us. This is, this is big for me. Every single disappointing moment, there are rewards attached to it if we can just respond appropriately. You know, um, I, I was uh, watching Luke. I brought him to this basketball practice uh, last week. And I saw something so interesting. I've been playing basketball my whole life. I've been in so many basketball practices I can't even count ever since I was a kid. So I bring him to this new basketball team and I saw the coach do something I have never seen before in my life. He had him do a drill that the drill took about four or five minutes. I think it was layups. As soon as the layups, as soon as four or five minutes were over, he blow, he'd blow his whistle and go, take off. And all the kids would start running around the track as fast as they can. And they would do that for about five minutes. Then he'd blow the whistle again, and they'd do a different drill. They'd start shooting free throws. And then four minutes later, he'd blow the whistle and go, take off. And they'd start running again. They did that for two hours. For two hours. They'd do a drill for four minutes, and then they'd run as fast as they can for four minutes. And then they'd do another drill for four minutes, and then they'd run as fast as they can for four minutes. I've never seen practice ran like that in my life. For two hours, running all day long. By the time it was over, these kids, eight, nine years old, soaking wet, I'm sitting on the sideline going, Luke, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I would help you, but I may end up running, so I'm just going to stay quiet. And, and he was just running. Every time he'd pass me, he'd be like, he was so upset. And, and so he was running, running, running. And the coach would say the same thing over and over again. He'd say, Luke, why, why are you running? And he'd have to give him the same answer as the other kids. And then he'd look at the other kids and go, why are you running? Why are you running? And they all had to give the same answer. And the answer was this. To see who can be the greatest 
the longest. Anybody can be great for a minute. But how long can you be great? He is going to put so much, uh, uh, he's going to get them in such great shape that they can stay great long. See, anyone can be faithful on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Anybody. You got guys up here going, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And you're like, I am a friend of God. Anybody can be faithful. But what happens when you walk out this door, you're on research force, and you want to wave to somebody with one finger? <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Somebody cuts in front of you. Somebody's sitting at the red light going, room, 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 room. And you want to just get out of your car and kick their door and get back in. Hypothetically speaking, of course. I would never even imagine doing anything like that. Kick their car, get back in, and then drive 11 miles an hour going, yeah, see, see there how you like those apples. Just imagine, uh, just, not that I would ever want to do that. But to go through those seasons is when it's a challenge, that's when it's tested. You know, um, uh, I, I need a, a, a girl. Where's Jessica? I don't know where Jessica is. I'm going to have to recruit you, Catherine. Give Catherine a, a, a microphone. And um, you, someone thought I was going to say give her a round of applause. And everyone was like, I, I don't know why I'm clapping, but I'm going to clap for you. Um, I, I need you to read the lyrics to this song because it, it was written by Carrie Underwood. And it just sounds better. You don't have to sing it. I just want you to just read it. Uh, read it like it's a, a book or a poem. Just read it. Um, many of you guys uh, recognize the lyrics, but, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. She had a lot on her mind. She had a lot on her mind, and she didn't pay attention. She was going way too fast. Before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives flash before her eyes, she didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared, she threw her hands up in the air. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands, because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go, so give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. Man, that was awesome. Crush that. I can't read like that. That was amazing. Uh, this, this song came to my mind while I was putting this message together because when tough seasons come, you got scenarios like this where somebody says, Jesus! Yeah. Right? And, and then we all have those seasons that we can look back on and we're like, Jesus was there for me. Do, do you remember? How many of you can say Jesus was there for me at, at that? And there's a season of, that comes to your mind. Jesus was there for me. And then what happens a lot of times is he gets us through that tough season. And then another season comes that's difficult. And rather than doing what we've once did, which Jesus, we hit eject. And we just bounce out and we disappear. And I want to I let you know, your heart, your spirit on the inside of you that says, I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus right now. Listen to that. Your heart is right. Your spirit is calling. I need Jesus right now. Don't hit eject. Don't disappear. Don't disappear. This, this is when your faithfulness is tested and it can be your finest hour.
The second thing I want to point out is in verse 32, it reads like this, and since God receives glory because of the Son, He will give His own glory to the Son, and He will do it at once. And so what's happening here? God is going to receive glory and honor because of what Jesus is about to do. And then when God receives this glory and honor, he's going to turn around and give it right back to Jesus. And so what's happening is that Jesus is going to sacrifice. He's going to make a sacrifice to honor God. And God is going to turn around and honor him because of the sacrifice. Here's point number two. Faithfulness is proven during a sacrifice. This is when we sacrifice is when we want to say something to somebody, but we choose not to, to honor God. We want to give them a piece of our mind. Let me tell you about you, your mom, and your whole family. But we choose not to because of God. When you want to watch something, you want to look at something to gratify your flesh, and you say, I'm not going to do it. I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it. You want to go somewhere. You, you, you want to have a certain attitude. You want to be angry. You want to fester that anger and, and, and argue with them in your head even though they're not around. And you're going to fester the anger. You say, I'm not going to do it because it's going to honor. I want to honor God. What happens is, is God sees you do that. Nobody else sees you bite your lip. Nobody else sees you Close your eyes. Nobody else. They're not even around. But God sees you. He sees you saying, I'm going to stop thinking about that. He sees it. He sees you make that sacrifice. That is a sacrificial moment. Because what's happening is you are not doing what you want to do. You're doing what he wants you to do. It's a sacrificial moment. And every time you do that, you are giving him honor. And then this is how he responds. He goes, wow, you're doing that just for me right now. Guess I'm going to turn around and honor you. It's a fascinating scripture that is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 37. It says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will sit with them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. This is what he's saying. He goes, there's so many of you that are choosing to be faithful. You don't want to be faithful. You want to, you want to, you want to unleash on them. You, you want, the, your flesh wants to do certain things, but you know that it would be against what I want you to do, and you're being faithful anyway. I see what you're doing. I see how you're guarding your thoughts. I see how you're doing your best. I see you putting the best forward. I see you sacrificing. You think nobody sees it. I see it. You're doing it to honor me. But when I see you, I'm going to put an apron on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
the one who created the entire universe. He's already died for you and I. He's already done that. He hung naked on a cross for you and I. But when he sees you, he's even going to go further than that. He's going to put an apron on. And he's going to serve you. Do you know how awkward that moment is going to be? When you and I both are keenly aware of all the mistakes we've ever made in our life, how unworthy we are to even be in His presence, but He is going to put an apron on and serve you and I. And He's saying, I'm going to serve you because even though you couldn't see Me, you kept on waiting for me. You didn't know if I was going to come tomorrow. You didn't know if you're, I was going to come that same day. You didn't know if I was going to come back 50 years from now. You didn't know if you were going to die and then go to heaven. But you knew that one day you and I were going to meet each other and you made secret sacrifices over and over again. And I saw them and when I see you, I'm going to say thank you. I am, I am going to put an apron on and serve you. Do you know how awkward that's going to be? But for him, he wants you to know. Every woman in this room, he has seen the pain. Every guy in this room, he has seen the stress. He has seen it. And he saw the sacrifice, the secret sacrifice. He sees it. He will not forget it. Point number one, faithfulness is proven during a challenge. Faithfulness is proven during a sacrifice. Um, let me dive into this third and last point. In verse 36, Simon Peter asked the Lord, where are you going? See, Jesus was about to die on the cross, and he's about to go to heaven. And in the Bible, it says, in a twinkling of an eye, he's going to come back. So he can come back any second. He can come back right now. He can come back in five minutes. He can, he can come back just like that. He says, I'm leaving, Jesus replied. He says, you can't go with me now but you will follow me later. He's saying, you're not going to follow me right now. I can tell by looking at you, you are not going to be faithful to me. I can tell. You are not going to be faithful. Peter is saying, yes, I am. I will die for you. No, you won't. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, yes I I'm telling you, before tomorrow morning, you're actually going to deny me three times. You are not going to follow me. Jesus' faithfulness towards us is found in our struggle. When you and I are struggling, he's going, I'm about to be faithful to you. I am not leaving you. I am not like anyone else in your life. When you make mistakes with other people, they are upset. They're mad. They'll freeze you out. They'll argue with you. They'll fuss at you. They're disappointed. They're mad at you. But me, I want you to know that when you make mistakes, I already know that you have weaknesses. And I'm going to show you that I am always with you. I will never leave you. I am. This is when he 
proves it. When you and I make mistake and we come before the Lord and we say, I am so sorry for my, uh, my sins, and we can feel in our heart that he is still there. That's when he proves his faithfulness. He says, look, Peter, I'm going to make your name. I'm going to make your name remembered forever and ever and ever. I'm actually going to build the church on you. People are going to study your words for generations to come. That is going to happen. And you will follow me one day. And there will be a day where your momentum is clicking. You are clicking. You are clicking. You are honed in. You've, you've got gifts from the Spirit in you. And you are just going to be clicking and rolling. But right now, you're about to mess up royally. And, and do you know how he knew he was going to mess up? He knew it because just 24 hours previous... They were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he looked at Peter and he said, Hey, you need to pray for an hour because if you don't, temptation is coming. And do you know what Peter did? He fell asleep. <laughs> and then Jesus came back and said, If you don't pray, temptation's coming. And he came back, and Peter fell asleep again. And so Jesus already knew your prayer life is so unstable. It's so rocky right now. You're about to get crushed. But don't worry about it. All the plans that I have for you, you being the rock, you being someone that they study your words for generations later, all that's still going to happen. But you haven't learned how to pray yet, so you're about to get crushed. He couldn't pray. And so temptation came. He fell three times in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And then when Jesus came to see him after he rose from the grave, it was almost like, hey, I already knew that was going to happen. But you know how to pray now, don't you? Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Will you feed my sheep? Yes. Will you feed my lambs? Yes. He's all in. Jesus knows that we have a growth curve. Let, let me just say this. This relationship with God that you and I want will not grow one meter, one centimeter, if we don't learn to pray. The less you pray, the less you want to pray. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The less you pray, the weaker your faith gets. The more you pray, the greater your faith gets. Every single person I've ever met that says, My, I don't have any faith, I always ask them the same question. When was the last time you cried out to God? When was the last time you prayed? Well, I don't know. I, I, I... Jesus' faithfulness is shown while we're weak. What I'm so happy about is that this room is full of what I like to call stories. There are stories of people in this room that you went through, and some of you are going through it right now, immense challenges. But you keep showing up to church. You keep worshiping. You're... you're you are clawing for faith. 
you're doing the best you can. The sacrifices, you're doing, you're not making all the sacrifices you wish you were, but you're trying to make more and more. He sees all of it. He sees all of it. You know, the Bible says nothing lays uncovered before the Lord. He sees every wish. He sees every hope. He sees every desire. And what he sees this morning are people clawing and hanging on to faithfulness. And he will reward you. Do you know what I call these seasons? This isn't in the Bible. This is the Frankie International Version. I call them white knuckle seasons. Where you are hanging on for dear life. Is it over yet? No. Is it over yet? No. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Your knuckles are white. That's called being faithful in a challenge. That's called making sacrifices to show your faithfulness. I want you to know when God sees your faithfulness, he rewards you with joy. He knows you're not having fun. He knows this is not fun. But this is, this is, you got to hear me say this is the last thing I'm going to say this morning. This is your finest hour. You are hanging on when you can't see anything. If you could see heaven, it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? If you could look next to you and see your angel that's following you around, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? You can't see anything. You are keeping faithful during the challenge. You are making sacrifices. And I want you to know, the Lord will show his faithfulness.